One of the things I always wanted from being a kid as a garden railway, uh, Nikki's also really into gardening, and so we wanted to put our kind of hobbies together. So in our... Model railways may not be everyone's cup of tea. But for Curtis, his passion for trains has developed over time, which has since led to the creation of the HSBA Garden Railway. Not only did we get a chance to see the model, but we also got a rundown of how it came to be and what the inspiration was behind it. Thanks for joining me, Curtis. We'd love to hear more about your amazing project. So can you tell me a little bit more about the model that you have in your garden? So in our back garden, we have about 138 meters of track um, with, with trains that can run around. Um, the track, just to give you kind of a, a mental model or a visual of this, is uh, 45 millimeters between the rails. So they're quite chunky. So a lot of you will probably think about model trains as being a bit smaller, the kind of things you get from Hornby. Uh, these are made by more these are made by German companies um, and we call this G-scale. So 45, mil 45 millimeters between the rail uh, and yeah, they can get quite heavy. Um, two operating lines, uh, one on the top and then one below. We have four or five bridges, two tunnels, um, and lots of lots of interests in the meander around the garden, around the pond, and between the plants. So, what is it about trains that have got you creating a whole model in your garden? Was it a childhood interest, or is this something that you picked up a little bit later on in life? Definitely, was always into trains as a kid. Um, and I had actually a, a much smaller version of the garden railway when I was a kid. Uh, so it was my my parents got me a starter set when I was probably a seven or eight. And a starter set is when you get like a, a looper track, a locomotive, and, and two carriages and a power controller, so you can play with them. And then the the kind of the hobby and the interest kind of grew from there. Uh, then you kind of hit your teenagers where it's not it's not cool to play with trains, and so the the interest kind of died down a little bit. And then life gets in the way in your twenties. And then actually a few years ago, when Nikki and I were living in Berlin, um, I told her that as a kid we used to put a, a train around the Christmas tree, and she was like, "Well, why don't you why don't you do that again?" So I was like, "Okay." So I bought another um, I bought another starter set in in Germany. And that really just unleashed uh, unleashed the the passion again. And I think Germany is a great place. So a lot of these um, a lot of these models are made in Germany. It means the German eBay is a really good secondhand market. So some of it can get expensive, but if you if you're if you're paying attention to eBay, you can normally get good deals. And so essentially, it grew out from there. Um, we knew that we were going to be moving to Jersey, uh, and as part of that, I said I just really wanted to rekindle that kind of permanent garden railway and Nikki was super enthusiastic and super supportive of it um, so yeah it was one of those hobbies childhood hobby uh, rekindled as an adult uh, when you have kind of the the time and ability to, to realize that dream I guess can you tell me how long you've been building this model for uh, so I think the we've obviously we're doing renovation of the house since August last year and the garden started probably around September October time 
Um, a lot of the groundworks and walls and stuff were done by our builders because I do not have any of the capabilities to do that. Um, I think it would have been very slow and not great quality. So probably about that time last year, um, it's not constant, so I'm not gonna say it's took us several months because obviously there's lots of things that depend when you're building garden road, it's dependent on your time with like work and stuff, but also the weather. The weather can be very unforgiving. Um, I was lucky actually over the Christmas period, the weather was actually quite dry. So I spent probably, I don't know, maybe seven or eight days over Christmas pretty much constantly in the garden while it was dry. Um, heavy soil to work with, but but we got a lot of the basics out there. And then over the last few weeks, I think it, we've pecked, picked up pace again because we've had a few weeks of nice weather. And so, yeah, uh, hard to give a complete time. It's been in progress, I think, since October, September, October last year. Um, but yeah, probably several days or probably a couple of weeks worth of work total. Just mentioning the weather there, do you think that's been your biggest challenge so far building your model? Uh, that's a really good question. Um, it can be. I, 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 it's, oh, it's actually a great question. Um, it, can, it can be, right? And it can be, so I think with any hobby, you go through ebbs and flows of when you want to spend time on it, right? You've had a tough week at work. Sometimes you just want to sit and watch Netflix or walk the dog or go from here, right? There's other things you want to do with your time. It's not that your hobby becomes 100% of your non-work time. Uh, and sometimes you just had a tough week at work and you're not really in the mood to go and do something in this hobby or you go and work on something else. Instead of like wanting to lay track, I actually want to do some programming with the locomotives to do different sounds and etc. cetera. Um, so I think weather is definitely a constraint because then sometimes you're really in the mood to do something and it's Jersey, so you can get very windy and get very rainy and you're like, no, oh, I'd rather be outside. So uh, I think the weather is probably one of the more it's the external factor that can limit how much you, how much time you can you can spend on that, um, and then I think the other time sometimes it's just planning. Right? You know, do you have do you have the pieces of track that you need to do what you want? I had to make a, a recent order of more track, and I had to get it, I had to get it from the Netherlands. So you have to wait for it to ship from the Netherlands, and you know pay the postage, which is not always cheap because it's it's made of brass, so it can be quite heavy. Um, so there's other things like that. But generally, I say the weather is probably the biggest external factor, and then internally it's just as life gets in the way or doesn't get in the way of when you want to spend some time on it. Do you have any plans to expand your railway or is this the final product? I'll be honest, I don't think there's much place I can expand it in this current garden. Um, I, th I think Nikki, Nikki and I designed it and it, it's quite, you just, you've just been outside, you've seen it, it's, it's quite a lot. Um, but I think in terms of, if the general question is, what are the next steps? So. There's still a lot of building work we have to do in terms of making sure all the plants are in and the rockeries and, and all the track works really well. So the bottom loop is working, it works it works great, the trains run reliably. Um, the upper loop is still in question, but the idea, the intention is to get to the point where you can set and forget. So you let them go off while you're outside. You don't want to be constantly looking because there's, you know, there's a little bit of track where the trains sometimes come off or stop. So I think there's a degree of reliability that's gonna be really important for us. Um, eventually, um, there's other things we wanna add in there. So like buildings and scenery and lights in those buildings, which add a, another another kind of mission to what you had in terms of how you grow it and expand it. And then the other thing Thing that's something that I've always wanted to do is automation, so computer control. So this idea that instead of having train that just goes round and round, the computer knows where a particular train is at a given point, so it can come into a station, stop, and it will send another train off. So then you have this constant movement. It feels more realistic is the wrong phrase, but it just gives it a lot more dynamism to, to what's happening in the layout. So there's all these different things that I think are, are fun to work on. It's one of those hobbies that's never done. Even if the layout itself is done, there's always something else that you can be doing. Uh, and then on top of that, once we're obviously happy with the reliability and happy to kind of like share it with the world, 
we want to run open days in the summer to raise money for local charities. And have any of your trains derailed at all? Oh, happens all the time. Uh, I think it's part, I think anyone that's had model trains or anything like this will, will will know that you know just because it's working perfectly one day it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen. And anything you know it can be a cat or a dog has walked across the layout. It could be someone that's caught the track and they've moved it. I mean, the other day Nick and I were were planting some bamboo just kind of down by the side. And I, I lifted the. Um, I lifted one of the the plant pots across. I caught the track and I damaged, I damaged one of the pieces of track and obviously had to replace that. So, yeah, I mean, it it can be. There's a degree of maintenance that's somewhat interesting because it feels like you're kind of invested in it. But you you know you don't want to do the thing where anytime you want to get the trains out, you feel like you have to spend 15 minutes, an hour, trying to make sure everything's running fine. Um, so yeah, the, the, there are maintenance problems, there are challenges. But I think at the moment it's just about understanding what causes them and trying to minimise it, just like you would get on the real railway. Is there a backstory to your name HSBA? What do the acronyms stand for? Yeah, so um, there is a narrow gauge railway in Germany called the HSB. Um, very famous uh, narrow gauge railway, still actually runs steam locomotives, which is not, 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 common, not, not so common. Um, now, there, I always I always like to make personal connections with with stuff that I do, um, and so all of the main stations are named after a Germanized version of friends and family members. So one of the main stations is called Steinertal, which is essentially a Germanized version of Stania, meaning basically Stania Stania Valley. For for one, said, very loose translation or very loose Germanization, uh, and it just so happens that kind of if I look at my Nikki's surname and then like my, my parents and stuff like that that you can get to HSB and then with Nikki's maiden name was the A so I was like oh HSBA so that's that's how where the main stations um, came from that's where the acronym came from um, again and it's a bit of Nikki and I visited the HSB it's in the Haas Valley um, we visited it a couple of years ago when we were living in Germany it's just beautiful we, we rode the trains but the, the whole nature around it is amazing so um yeah, that's essentially where the name came from. And then the bridges and tunnels and uh, the, the waterfall all have their own names and nods to our friends and family. Uh, one of the things that actually, going back to the you know, expansion, one of the things that we're going to build is a like a, a ruined castle. Now, a few years ago, one of my best friends passed away, unfortunately, um, but his surname was Swartz, so meaning black. We're also a fan of Game of Thrones, so this ruined castle is going to be Schlossfurtz, meaning castle black. So a bit of a double nod. And so like these little bits of like, internal trivia or things I think it's just fun because it just gives the whole thing a bit of personality at least for Nikki and I it does. So I've done some research and I've seen on your blog and your Instagram that you've customised a few pieces. In particular I noticed the milk tanker was a Jersey Dairy one. Was this a choice that you made to localise the trains or is there another hidden meaning behind it? Yeah not all of them. Um, so Again, it, I think it's about these little nods that we can do to certain things. So I think one of the wag the Jersey Dairies on there. Uh, there's one that's for Home Farm, which is uh, my parents' um, dairy farm in St John. Uh, and then there's a HelloFresh one. I used to work. For, I worked for HelloFresh for years, and it was a great company to work for. So I think again, just adding these little bits of personality to the layouts and the models are good. Don't do it for all of them. Um, I normally do it with um, wagons that I can get secondhand quite cheaply because. 
Um, obviously, there's a, there is a degree of resale value. Not that I intend to necessarily sell it, but as you know, as you as you go as your collection grows, there's some things you might want to get rid of to fund like a different a different style, a different theme. So not doing it with everything, but I think anything you can do to do these little nods. There's a few that I have in mind that I would still like to do. Uh, I'm a big fan of Wildfire, um, so uh, Wildfire is probably going to get a wag like a cattle wagon or something like that. Is like a funny nod to it, and then I also want to do something for Doral. Um, so just again, the, again, just these little things that we can do that like personalize the layout for us. Doesn't have to be everything, but this is little nods. Earlier into our conversation, you mentioned um, that you're hoping to open up your garden in the future and host fundraisers. Was this something that you've had in mind for a while now? Yeah. So. Um... I think it was always something that we discussed about build it when we did it here. It's not necessarily something I've dreamed of as a child. Um, but I think like with any hobby or with most hobbies, maybe any hobby is a bit too, too encompassing. It's nice to show off the things that you're passionate about, right? And not in, not in a kind of in your face kind of way, but given the chance for other people to come and share it. I mean, the Instagram really picked up. I think it's got at the moment about four and a half thousand followers and a bunch of people. Some, complete train nerds that, that just want to talk about the trains and they, they go into a load of detail with me like on a messenger and some people are like this is cool not something i've done and so i think just being able to to share that is really nice the i would have probably have always done open days i at some point but i think the idea of lo raising money for local charities is just if it's something we can do i don't see why not um we will probably rotate around different charities and i think the way nikki and i thought about it was we'd both for each open day we'd each pick one and then split the split the the kind of donations between between them um the other thing i'm just very conscious of as well is when i was younger there was a, a gentleman that lived not far from where i lived as a kid and his entire guard, like you think this is a lot. This is this, this guy's entire garden was was garden railway, uh, and he invited. You know, I I rang up and he invited me and my mum. I was about probably ten or eleven at this point. He invited me and my mum round and he kind of showed us the whole garden and was super helpful to answer questions. And I think there's actually a really great community around garden railways, model railways, generally speaking. Um, and it's just the ability to show other people, like, you know, what. What, what can you do and share it with them and give the people a hand if they want to get into the hobby I think it's really great um, just to note on Jersey there is the Jersey Model Railway Club which is wonderful they meet up in Trinity so if anyone's interested they have a website and then on Garden Railway specifically if something you're interested in obviously you can follow on our Instagram and then there's also the G-Scale Society which is a UK based uh, collection of humans that are into um, the, the larger model railways generally outside but also inside so I just wanted to share with those because I think if it's something you're interested in it's about it should be part of the bigger community. And finally I have to ask out of all the models that you've seen and purchased do you have a favourite train? <laughs> so that's a really interesting yes and um, but I have a few and for different reasons so I have um, one that Nikki bought me uh, I was really stressed at work and it was coming up to my birthday and it was a present from Nikki as always like come on you, you can get over this challenge which is great and it, that's one of my favorites it's a beautiful locomotive and it means a lot because Nikki bought it to me bought it for me and then <laughs> I have a locomotive that I want to be my favorite but it's a really unreliable runner for various reasons and so it's the one that I said I want it to be my favorite it looks fantastic but it never works properly when you put it on the track and so I've got to do I've got to do, sit down and do a bunch of maintenance on it and then I've got another one that is beautiful and is a, a, just an incredible runner that like normally if I wanted to get something up and running quickly I put that one on so yeah it's it's weird and I 
it sounds a bit odd to say that they have personalities because I wouldn't I wouldn't quite go that far but there's definitely the one that you're like oh you annoy me sometimes or the other one that like oh this looks really great so yeah probably wouldn't say it's a full personality but there's definitely you have your own mental models or perspectives over certain locomotives <laughs> And if you'd like to find out more on future events with Curtis, you can visit him on Instagram at HSBA Garden Railway. Don't forget to like and share. And thanks very much for listening.